are now listening to PursuitCast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Welcome everybody to another episode of Pursuit Cast, and today we have a very special guest. Um, recently, I was checking out some articles on Relevant Magazine online, and I came across uh, two different articles that were just so um, relevant—not to be redundant, but they were relevant and, and definitely topics that people are wanting to know about. Um, one was called The End of Purity uh, Culture, and the other was about how everyone has sexual baggage. And after reading those, I knew I had to find out who the author was and, and try to get them on the podcast. And today, we have that author. So it's my pleasure to introduce to all of you guys, Natalie. Hey, Natalie. Hey, Sam. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, join us uh, via Skype uh, and just taking time to just talk about uh, just things that you wrote about and, and much more. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so I guess we can just start off with you just sharing about who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, um, my name is Natalie. I do a little bit of blogging here and there, as you saw on Relevant, and uh, I have my own blog I kind of try to keep up with now and then. Um, that's kind of just a hobby for me on the side. By day, I work at a nonprofit medical pregnancy clinic, um, which is really just a fancy way of saying an organization where we're helping women that are facing unplanned pregnancies. And so I do a little bit of counseling, do some fundraising, um, do a lot of different things there. And uh, yeah, and it's great. Really enjoy that. And then kind of on the side, just really enjoy writing and, and talking about relationships and getting into that world a little bit as well. Cool. You know, how did you get into writing and blogging and all of that? Yeah, you know, I started blogging a long time ago, but it was never something I really kept up with a ton until about two years ago. I moved to Atlanta from the D.C. area, and I was on my own in a new city, didn't know anyone, and so I had a lot of spare time on my hands. Mm -hmm. And so at that time, really, with kind of a clear schedule, I was like, what do I want to work on? What do I want to kind of start implementing in my life? I just started writing a ton and started blogging. And uh, just kind of developing some thoughts and kind of got hooked on it. And I've kind of been doing it ever since. I know um, basically the articles that I came across uh, on your blog and on Relevant and, and other websites as well. A lot of them has been on relationships and dating and, and those types of topics. What, what got you starting on those? Yeah, well, you know, I started out blogging about a lot of different topics. And I still I love to write about faith, love to write about theology love to write about mentorship, a lot of different things. But mm -hmm. with relationships and dating, that kind of came naturally to me. Um, one, because of my job. As I said, I, I work with women facing an unplanned pregnancy. So every day I'm talking about relationships. It's a big part of my life and my conversations. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, I come home at night and I'm 28. I'm not married. A lot of my friends are all in the dating scene in this similar season of life. And so it's kind of what I talk about when I come home, too. And so it's just one of those topics that's kind of at the forefront. And uh, it's really easy to write about because it's something that I can relate to and something that most of my friends and the people in my inner circle and in my life can relate to as well. That's kind of what, what got me started writing about it. Cool. And through your conversations and just living life and all of that, uh, what do you believe is the biggest misconception when it comes to dating and marriage? 
Yeah. Well, you know, that's a big question. And there are probably so many ways that people can answer that question. You know, I think maybe just one misconception that I hear people talking about that kind of comes out in conversations that I have about sometimes is we tend to have this idea, especially in the church and as believers, that there's like a formula for dating and for marriage and for how things should look and how things should go. And so sometimes we can kind of find ourselves in these cycles in the midst of dating, in the midst of relationships, always trying to compare and say, okay, well, is this happening? Is that happening? Am I following the step-by-step that I'm supposed to be doing? Do things look the way that they should look? And I've kind of found in reality, as I've spent more and more time with older couples and lots of different married couples in my life and people in different seasons and different stages, I've realized that every relationship looks so different. Everyone's dating relationship has looked so drastically different. The way that marriages have begun and the way that God's worked in them and just worked in individuals' lives and worked in couples, I mean, it's just, it's so vastly different couple to couple, person to person. So I just think one misconception is that dating has to be a certain way or that marriage has to look a certain way. And I just don't think that's true. I think that, um, especially if we're seeking Christ and, and trying to put him first, I think that dating could could kind of allow for some freedom. And God could do a lot of different things in our life, even some things we might not expect. Things might turn out looking a little bit differently than we expected. And that's okay, I think. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like that what you just said, is, there's just so much wisdom, because I feel like, you know, people have baggage, or like you said, they, they're so caught up in comparing and, and trying to be like other people like, and and I think what you're saying just brings so much freedom, you know, to to follow God and what He's doing and, and wanting to for you to grow in and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of feel like the more that we seek God, I, I think that He tends to shatter our expectations. I think He tends to rearrange our plans a little bit. I just kind of think that's oftentimes the way that He works. And so I think that that kind of applies to our dating lives and our relationships as well. Mm, that's good. What are some of the misconceptions that you've come across when it comes to, you know, being single um, for for young adults and, and believers and things like that? Yeah. I mean, I think this one, it, <laughs> it might sound kind of cliche, but hopefully it's something that a lot of the singles will relate to and resonate with. You know, I think for me personally, one of the biggest misconceptions of being single is that um, there's something wrong with the status of being single, mm-hmm. that it's a status that needs to change. And, you know, I think the reality of what we see in Scripture, what we see when we look at Christ's life and His relationships and Paul's writings in the New Testament is that, like, God embraces married people and He embraces single people, and He loves us where we're at, and He doesn't tell us, hey, this status is something that needs to change. I think he absolutely created us for relationships, and I think he absolutely created us for a desire for intimacy. And, you know, that desire for marriage is so natural. And, um, you know, it's totally okay to feel that way as a single person. But I just think that a misconception, especially kind of in Christian culture, when you say I'm single, a big misconception can be, okay, well, that's that's kind of a (laughs) a problem or kind of a negative thing. That's a status that needs to change. Um, and it was something that I know for me in the past, especially if I'm talking to people I don't really know, you kind of cringe to say that when someone asks you or in a relationship, are you dating someone or are you married? You kind of cringe for a minute to say, oh, well, no, I'm single. 
because so often the response that you get might be like, oh, well, why are you single or why aren't you dating someone or, you know, don't you, don't you want to get married? I mean, I've literally mm-hmm. had people say that to me before. And so mm-hmm. all you can do is kind of laugh about it um, and surround yourself by people or with people that, you know, encourage you and, and kind of meet you where you're at and just knowing like, hey, singleness, it's a status that like if it changes, that's great. It doesn't have to change. It doesn't need to change. Mm. Um, and, and so that's just kind of, I think, one thing for single people to kind of work through. Definitely. I mean, as you're sharing, you know, as a single person myself, um, I think that, you know, being single is a season uh, for some, but it's a season that you'll never get back, you know? And, and I feel like in that season, God never wastes it. So in whatever he wants to do in, in cultivating, you know, healthy friendships or community and those types of things, because uh, like you said, I mean, those are things that um, as human beings we long for and need, but how to cultivate that as a single person, not waste that season of singleness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so great. Yeah. So what do you think are, are some of the hurdles for Christian singles today? Um and especially in a world with social media and, and different dating apps and all those types of things. Uh, what do you think so, are some hurdles? Yeah, yeah, that's a, a great question. You know, we definitely live in a very interesting time to be a single, but specifically to be mm-hmm. a Christian single. And I kind of find like we live in this world where there's almost two extreme options. And one option is like, I'm just going to dive into dating kind of the world's way. And like, like you're saying with dating apps, I mean, it's, it's so accessible to find someone. If you want to go on a date tomorrow night, you can find someone to go on a date with, whether that's someone that shares your faith and and your values and your convictions, that's maybe questionable, but you can definitely find Mm -hmm. someone to go get a coffee with or to go hang out with. And so that's easy. So it's really easy to kind of embrace maybe on one hand, like that lifestyle of like, I can date, I can date casually, I can date often, I can date as much as I want, and I can date for me to make me feel good. And then there's kind of another extreme of, of being in the church. And some people in the church, I think, can feel um, hesitant in that environment. Sometimes dating feels so serious and so heavy. If I go on a date with one person, then it means that I have to feel like I'm going to marry them. And so sometimes guys get nervous to ask girls out and girls they get discouraged because they feel like they're not being asked out. And so you've got people kind of in the church that are are trying to do the right thing and trying to follow Christ, but then they feel like their dating life is wanting. And and so I feel like we kind of live in these two extremes, and that's definitely a hurdle for Christian singles to overcome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how can I live in in a place where I'm trying to follow Christ and be obedient to Him. And I'm also surrounding myself with like-minded people and and taking advantage of opportunities to date um, and trying to do that again in a way that's going to honor God and and honor the people around me. And and that's not going to make dating all about me, but it's going to make it something that's mutually beneficial for both me and the person I'm going out with. Um, And I definitely don't have all the answers for that. I think, you know, just one issue, one thing we could resolve and reconcile that could be worked on is sometimes I talk to to single Christian people who they kind of question where their place in the church is. And so if we're Christian and we're single, we know that we want to be in church. We want to be in community. We need those relationships. We need that fellowship, that connection. We need it maybe in this season more than we'll ever need it in any other season. But yet we find ourselves in church where if you're married, 
your place is really clear. You kind of know where you're supposed to go, where you're supposed to do. There's married retreats, there's conferences, there's special events, there's sermons, there's teaching. There's a lot of things going on for married couples. If you are parents, you are doing things with your kids, you have kids ministry, and you're meeting other parents, and, and your place in the church is kind of clear. But yet, if you're a single, you don't necessarily know where is my place in the church, where do I fit in to this puzzle and what role do I have to play here? And so I think that kind of at the root of all of this, that is a big hurdle is just, you know, millennials are are probably more disconnected from the church now than any other young generation before us. And so that question is, okay, how can we make the church a welcoming place for people in all stages and seasons of life and help people feel at home and know what their place is here? Um, just because I think, especially as I have more and more conversations with people that are trying to follow Christ and and be a part of the church while also being single and trying to do the dating scene and think about marriage one day too, sometimes there's a question of, okay, how does this all fit in with the role that I have to play in my church? And so I just think that's a question for our churches to answer and for us to kind of all work together on to resolve. Yeah, that's good. I I think that requires um, the, the church to really you know, dig deep and, and, and be amongst the singles and, and find out how to serve them and, and love on them uh, during that season, especially like you're saying, where they feel left out or, or stigmatized or whatever um, comes with being a single Christian in the church today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, one thing that I just think of is kind of that stigma when you're in the church, when you have an event in the church, called a singles event mm-hmm. it always kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because that is like one event that a single person is least likely to want to go to yeah. just because the word singles in the title and so it's like we know that that's the church's effort um at kind of bringing us in and getting us involved but at the same time it's just so interesting that 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 title alone just calling it a singles event a singles night makes us less likely to go because we're kind of nervous about the stigma we're kind of nervous. Okay, if I go, are people going to think that I'm that I'm just going to meet somebody? Are people going to think I'm desperate? What are people going to mm-hmm. think? Whereas, if you go to you know a marriage conference at church, you don't feel weird about going to that. No one feels a stigma about going to that. If you go to a parenting event, even if you're not a parent, but you just want to get ready for that stage down the road, you don't feel weird about it. And so, yeah, I just think one evidence of of kind of that stigma is just even in the titles. Mm-hmm events and how that that tends to make us want to stay away rather Mm -hmm. than yes in even though it's meant to be inviting yeah that's so true i guess on the flip side then um as the christian singles have their struggles and their issues um in the same way christian couples do as well whether they're dating or married um through your uh just relationships and your experience and and friendships and things like that uh, what are some of the hurdles that you've seen christian couples go through um, in this culture? Yeah, well, you know, I think the importance of being connected to the church community definitely plays a role here. I think a big hurdle for Christian couples, whether dating or married, is just, um, you know, maintaining r- really, really healthy, vibrant, thriving relationships with other people, people in similar seasons of life, people that are older and maybe a season or two ahead. I just think, man, when you're dating, you're just asking so many questions. You're overanalyzing a lot. You're questioning yourself. You're kind of trying to figure things out and put all the pieces together. It is so helpful 
to have some older individuals to kind of speak into that, to bring a little bit of clarity, a little bit of perspective. And I'm not married, so I can't speak to this as much, but I would, I would guess that that's the case as well for especially young married couples that like, they're trying to figure out, okay, this new season of life and this coming together as one in this union, you know, how do we do this? What does this look like moving forward now that we have this commitment? I really think that we need to have relationships and mentorship um, and other people speaking into our lives. I think especially today, if you're in your 20s and, and maybe even your, your 30s, it's really easy to surround yourself with community that look, that's in your same season of life, that's your same age, and, and kind of that has a lot in common with you. I know for me as a single 28-year-old, it's really, really easy for me to surround myself mm. with other single 20-somethings. It's a lot harder for me to seek out and surround myself with a few really wise people that are in some different stages that can kind of speak into my life. But yet I think that is so vital and so important for anyone, whether single or dating. But I especially feel like for couples, that's a huge thing. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, what, regardless of what season the person might be in, whether dating or single, that um, there's no way of shaking the importance of community, you know, um, just learning how to be transparent and honest and, and to welcome it from from older, wiser people, um, as well as people that you're running with as well. But um, you know, community doesn't happen on on by accident, but definitely takes some intentionality to really go after. So, absolutely, it really, really does. It it isn't something that's just going to fall into our laps, which would be so convenient if it did. I think we would all love that. You know, I think almost every person that I know in their twenties would tell me that they wish they had a mentor. If they don't have that in their life, that's something they want. But then I think the challenge then for us is, okay, if that's really something that we want, that we're really desiring and yearning for, let's go out and like, let's just pursue some of those relationships. Let's, let's take some action and make some choices that, that could make that happen, that could develop that relationship in our life. Yeah, definitely. I think it just takes, you know, that willingness to do it, you know, uh, to mm-hmm. to welcome community into your life and and I think um, walking well in community when you're single will only help you um, when you're a couple just because it's so easy to become insular uh, with just your significant other and become codependent and, and things like that so I think That's learning um, community in your singleness will definitely set you up for success in your dating and marriage and all of that so absolutely yeah. Awesome. Uh, transitioning a little bit uh, through that, uh, w- what are some of the best um, advice and wisdom you would give to um, single men um, out there that might be listening in to this podcast? Yeah, man, that's that's a tough question for <laughs> me. I think it's a great question. Um, but, you know, honestly, especially when it comes to single Christian guys, I am really like, yeah, I'm very sympathetic to a lot of Christian guys, and, and honestly, I probably go a lot easier on guys than mm-hmm. I do on girls sometimes. I have an older brother and a lot of guy friends that, you know, I've just, I've seen them do singleness really well. I've seen them do dating really well. I've seen them respect the women in their life, and I've seen them have some wins in the dating department. Mm-hmm. I've seen them have some losses as well. Um, but, you know, I've seen them do it really, really well. And so, you know, for the single guys out there, I would just say, if you're seeking Christ, and you're really you're really trying to grow in your relationship with him and and you're trying to grow in his likeness that's going to bleed out into your other relationships into the rest of your life i would just say you know 
keep on keeping on, keep on doing what you're doing. You know, if you're asking girls out, like <laughs> keep doing that. Mm-hmm. And I know like sometimes like they're going to say no and it's going to stink, but like just don't let those girls discourage you because there are going to be some girls that are going to be so thrilled when you ask them out. And so I would say to a lot of the single guys, the most important thing is, you know, just keep working on your relationship with Christ because that's going to be the biggest and the most important factor when you do find that girl that says yes, that you're interested in and she's interested in you and you guys want to start moving forward. I can guarantee you the most important thing that she's going to want to know is, you know, like, where do you stand with Christ? And, and you know, like, what's your spiritual life like? Can you kind of lead that relationship? And can you respect her and, and care for her well? And I think all that's going to kind of bleed out of where you're at with Christ. So, yeah, to the guys, I would just say, um, you know, this is a really, mm-hmm. really cliche piece of advice, but really put your put your spiritual life first and let that be your priority. And I think, you know, that that could easily and should go for women as well. Sure. I'm going to take what you said to heart. And uh, with that, um, what would you say for the single women out there? Yeah, to the single women, um, I would definitely say the same thing and keeping your spiritual life a priority and seeking that obedience to Christ and, and kind of developing that. And knowing that that is what's going to attract the right guy to you at the right time, like that's what he's going to be drawn to, is seeing that that character and that heart that you've developed. I could easily be talking to myself here since I am a single woman, 28, so I feel feel kind of silly telling the 28-year-old single woman, hey, this is what you should be doing. So really, I'm talking to myself here too, and I'm saying, hey, ladies, we're all in this together, and let's really, really prioritize our relationship with Christ. Let's get in community, have some mentors, have some really great friendships and some people that are investing in us. Um, you know, and, and I guess too, kind of tacking on to that, this is again a cliche thing, but I can say from my job and the women I work with every day, you know, I would say don't ever feel like you have to lower your standards and, and know that it is okay to expect respect from a guy. Um, I think that the world we live in, especially like you mentioned with all the dating apps and online dating and all the different ways that you can meet and connect with people in our world, it's really easy to find someone that'll take you out and that'll, you know, buy you dinner, buy you a cup of coffee. But it's a lot more challenging to find someone that is really going to respect you and that's going to kind of respect your character and, and be attracted to those right qualities in you. And so I would just say to the single women, you know, keep those standards high, even in those moments when you're tempted to lower them just a little bit, keep them high. Single men, keep your standards high too. And we're only going to help and encourage and sharpen one another when we keep our standards high. That's only going to help all of us on both sides of the equation. So great. That's awesome wisdom. Um, Transitioning to um, online questions, we opened it up and um, asked people to chime in if they wanted Um, some questions answered and discussed. Um, And one of them was, you know, what's the purpose of dating? Um, You know, you said earlier in in, in the podcast how, you know, we feel this tremendous pressure that, oh, as soon as I date this person, then, you know, we got to start talking about marriage and and how it could be just so much pressure or so much um, rushing or or other stigmas and all these different things. Um, What would you say is the purpose of dating? Yeah, you know, I think I think that most of us would agree 
across the board, most of us that are believers and, and kind of in this season, I think we would all agree on the surface that the purpose of dating is to find someone that you could consider marrying and spending the rest of your life with. Um, but I would just say kind of as a little caveat to that, even though we all have that same kind of broad understanding, okay, that's the purpose. The purpose of dating is to get married one day. I think that people kind of have different understandings, kind of even within that framework, even within the Christian world. And so in relationships, it's super, super important at the very beginning, I feel like, to kind of talk through this question and to talk through those expectations um, just to make sure you're on the same page. And it could differ a little bit person to person, and that's okay. But just to kind of give an example of what I'm getting at, there was a time a couple years back where, you know, one guy asked me out on a date. And after a few dates, he kind of let me know, okay, yeah, we're dating. And dating is, you know, we want this to ideally, we want dating to lead to marriage. But for him, he explained, you know, dating is really casual. It's not exclusive. Just because I'm hanging out with you, like, I might also be able to date someone else. You could date someone else. That's okay. In his mind, dating was a process of kind of getting to know each other, and it was a more casual thing, and that was his his ideal of what that looked like. Immediately, right after him, on the heels of that, another guy asked me out, and this guy let me know that his idea of dating was okay, from the time that we go on the first date, like this is a really serious thing. We are moving towards marriage, potentially in the very immediate future. We are exclusive. We are intentional. We're going to start having some of those hard-hitting conversations that would kind of help get us ready for marriage. And we're kind of, we're on this train and moving in that direction, right? And so both those guys were believers. They both loved the Lord. And they both agreed that dating should lead to marriage, but they both had a little bit of a different mm-hmm. understanding, That's good. even within that, what that should look like. So I just say, sometimes it can be tricky as a girl. You're trying to kind of figure that out at mm-hmm. the beginning when you're getting to know a guy. So I just say, it's always so great, so helpful for both parties at the very beginning of the relationship, just to talk through this and kind of say, hey, what's the goal here? Where are we going with this? You know, to kind of answer some important questions, is marriage something that one or both of us kind of could see on our radar in the near future? Would we consider that? Or does it feel like marriage is still something that's kind of far away? You know, is this exclusive or is this not exclusive? And and again, knowing and embracing the freedom that it's okay for it to look a few different ways. It doesn't have to look one way or another. The most important thing is just that both people have a, a clear understanding of what they're getting into and what the expectations are. So I would say once you have that broad goal of heading towards marriage, talk out the other specifics and the other expectations and then kind of feel some freedom to be able to move around within that framework. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, um, like you said earlier, how um, oftentimes at Christians we feel like there's a formula that we have to follow, but... Um, you know, but to find the freedom and, and, and like you said, I feel like the most important thing is communication and just being on the same page and, and having the same types of expectations. So, um, you know, you're both on the same page and, and wanting to ultimately get to marriage and regardless of what the process of how you get there looks like, um, you know, as long as you are walking, you know, with the Lord and in communication and honesty and just in obedience, you know, things will you know, eventually get you there, regardless of um, how you navigate through that. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, the next question is, I guess, comes with a lot of baggage, I would think. Um, 
and just a lot of different opinions as well. But um, the question is, how do you know if your significant other is the one, you know, you know, in mm -hmm. quotes, the one and and if um, such a thing as the one even exists? Yeah, you know, like this is the question, right? If you are mm -hmm. single in your 20s, this is what you want to know. I, I can't tell you how many people I've asked this question to. I used to run around asking like every married couple I knew this question because I just, I wanted to hear like the magic answer. Like, okay, this is what it is. Um, but now I don't go around asking that question as much anymore. And I can just give my opinion. But I would say for me, I will know that someone is the one when they want to marry me mm. and ask me to do so and when I want to marry them too. I mean, I really don't want to make it much more complicated than that. There are times in our life where we're single and somebody is so interested in us and it is so flattering, but like they want to marry us and that is awesome, but like we don't have that desire. We don't want to marry them. That's okay. That means they're not the one. They're not the one. It's okay. And there are times when we might want someone so badly and maybe we've even prayed about it and we have, you know, talked to other people about it and we've been thinking about it and we want to be with them. But you know what? They don't want to marry us. <laughs> that means they're not the one. And so yeah. I know it's kind of like the dumbed down answer, but that's just what I say. I just want to keep it simple and cut and dry and say, you know, I think we know someone's the one when they want to marry us and we want to marry them back. And then I kind of think we just take the next step and go from there and cover that thing in prayer. Yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I think all the other stuff is up for debate, debate or experience or whatever. But I think like you're saying, you know, whoever you end up saying I do to is the one, you know, no matter what led up to it or how you felt before or whatever. At the end of the day, the person you say I do to will will be the one, you know. And um, And I think with that, I've also heard it said, it's not so much about um, finding your soulmate, but being with um, your soulmate, like S-O-L-E, like the only one. Um, mm -hmm. So whoever you say I do to, you know, that's your soulmate in that way. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, you know, before we talked, just as kind of like a fun little experiment, I Googled, how do you know someone is the one? Because mm -hmm. I was kind of curious what would pop up. And what you see is just website after website of lists. And it's like nine ways that you know someone's yeah. the one, 12 ways that you know you're <laughs> with the right person. And I just kind of laughed because I'm like, you know, I think that you know they're the one once you make that choice. And then once you've made that choice, you just keep making the choice mm -hmm. every day. And that's kind of that's kind of what it looks like. Yeah, I, I mean, even yesterday I was just not in, not so much in the context of relationships or anything like that. But um, the Lord just dropped it in my spirit that, you know, there's no such thing as love without sacrifice, you know, but we we want easy love. We just want to feel the feelings and, and the butterflies and all the stuff that comes with it. And we want a love that doesn't have sacrifice, but um, no such thing exists, you know. So I think like Absolutely. you're saying, it's the choice and the constant choosing um, that makes someone the one more than anything. Yeah, you know. I just think a struggle for millennials. I shouldn't. I shouldn't call it the millennials. That's not really fair. But for young people and myself included in this, is it is so easy and so tempting to walk into dating and to walk into relationships. And the first question on our minds is, how does this make me feel? How do I feel about this right now? And while you know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't ask that question at all. 
I am going to argue that that's not the most important question. It's definitely not the only question we should be asking. And I think you are so right on in just recognizing the fact that love comes with sacrifice. And so often it is so tempting for all of us to, to start by asking, how does this make me feel? And what are they kind of doing for me? And, and, you know, like, how do I feel about where this could be, where this could be going? And, and do they match what I'm looking for? And it's really, really easy to neglect some of those alternate questions of how can I serve them? Mm. How can I encourage them today? You know, am I doing a good job of reflecting Christ to them in our dating or in our relationship? And so I think we have to ask ourselves questions of, on both sides of that equation and um, really take it beyond that initial, how does this make me feel? Because that's where we want to start, and then it's really easy to stop there as well. Yeah, that's good. I recently saw on social media the whole um, they wrote that you know the pursuit of one's personal happiness um, when that becomes the driving force and the driving goal of life. You know, you don't actually end up happy, but more self-absorbed. But mm-hmm. uh, like you're saying, willing, willingness to serve and love the other person, even at a cost to yourself, is is the type of relationship that you know. For me personally, I would want you know. Um, that that mutual submission, the mutual laying down of lives. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, one last question, um, as as we wrap up our time together, uh, the question is, you know, how do you define relational success? Yeah, you know, um, I think when it comes to success in a relationship, um, you know, I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that success is not just like a one-time thing that we achieve in a relationship, right? And it's this way in friendships and in any relationship, as well as romantic dating kind of marriage relationship. I think that relational success means that we are continuing to work on that relationship over time. Mm, We don't just get that ring on our finger and boom, we're engaged and we have, we have succeeded or we've gotten married and, and now we've succeeded. I think that probably any married couple we talk to would tell us that they've they've learned they have to keep working on that relationship. Um, you know, kind of one visual that I always have in my mind when I think about relationships, I think about campfires. I used to be a camp counselor, and I would build a lot of campfires and mm-hmm. at night. And I think when you're building a fire, you have to keep feeding it. You have to keep putting wood in that fire. You have to keep fanning the flame. And as you're doing The minute that you stop feeding that fire, the minute you stop fanning the flame, the fire starts dying a little bit, right? And it takes a little bit of time, but it starts dying. And so that fire is either growing or it's dying. But there really is no point that you get to with a campfire where you can really just walk away and it's going to stay exactly as is. You got to keep working on it. And I think relationships are the same way. We have to keep investing and keep working on it. And so, um, you know, God... It's something that we're always working on. It's something we're always doing. We're always fueling. And if we're not, then it's dying. And so I think a successful relationship is just one where there is a commitment to continued working on it. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit better. And sometimes it's going to be a little bit worse. And sometimes one person might be putting in a little bit more effort than the other person. And we might go back and forth. And then we might meet in the middle. But in a successful relationship, we know that Regardless, we can't just sit back with our hands in the air and kind of kick it, but we got to keep working Mm -hmm. at it and we're just going to keep working at it. And that is, I think, what a successful relationship looks like. Mm, No, that's good. I I think um, 
I guess one one thing I want to add to that as I just think about this question is, you know, just because a relationship um, ends up not working out doesn't mean it wasn't a success. Um, because I feel like you know, two mature people are able to come to the conclusion that you know, this isn't for them, and obviously there will be a grieving and a mourning, and it won't be easy, but um, you're one step closer to moving forward and, and entering into the relationship that's ultimately right for you. So I just feel like just because it doesn't end up in, you know, in an engagement or, or a marriage doesn't necessarily mean that it has failed either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the great thing about being believers is just that we know and we trust that God uses all the things that happen in our life to shape us and to make us more like Him and to grow us. And I think that definitely, definitely includes dating relationships. I think mm-hmm. dating is a sanctifying process, For just sure. as marriage is a sanctifying process and singleness is a sanctifying process. And so I absolutely agree with you and think, you know, that, um, a successful relationship can be when we come to that conclusion and agreement that this isn't going to move forward, but Hey, like we figured that out and you know, we've come to that conclusion and we're listening to God's leading and now we're moving forward and we know he's going to use it for his Mm -hmm. good and and for our good. And, and that's a really awesome, awesome assurance to be able to rest in as believers. I think that's something that we have uniquely through our faith in Christ. Yeah, that's so good. It just, you know, it's a big reminder. And as we wrap up that, no matter what season you're in, whether singleness, dating, marriage, breakup, um, you know, the joys of a new relationship or the heartbreak of, of one ending that, you know, God is so committed to us and, and ultimately making us like Jesus, you know, like you said, yeah. he's, he uses all of that to, to shape us and to form us and to continually work on us um, in that covenant, in that commitment, because he wants us to be like, you know, Christ. So, you know, that, that yeah. just is, is you know, not easy, but um, something to be thankful for, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, I just want to thank you so much, Natalie, for your time tonight, um, just hanging out with us, talking through, um, I guess, um, hot topics for (laughs) uh, young adults in the church and outside. Um, How can people find your blogs, more information about you, uh, whether social media or your website? Um, How can they find you? Yeah, people can find me. My website is um, www.natlantabrave.com, like Atlanta Brave, mm-hmm. but it's Natlanta. My name is Natalie, so it's just kind of a really goofy play on words. <laughs> you can find <laughs> me that way. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as Natlanta Brave as well, so people are definitely welcome to find me there. Awesome. So we'll uh, put up all the links to your stuff um, when we have the blo- um, our podcast up so people can find you. So um, to all those listening, thank you for um, hanging out with us. Hope this encouraged you, gave you some wisdom, and uh, we're for you in your journey, um, in your relationships and all of that. So we love you. God bless, and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.